This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. With you in the weeds, hello, hi, who is with us today? It's Lynn. I'm here with my two dudes. The two dudes. And Austin is here. How's it going, guys? Good. Um, Series that we're in, The Gig, Grounded in Grace. Mm -hmm. Gig, you know, Grounded in Grace, G-I-G. We have some pretty big ambitions in this episode today. We are going to talk about, get ready for it, two S words, sin and sanctification. And sin will make you cringe in this culture. Sanctification is what? (laughs) <laughs> um, and well sanctification is like a hundred dollar word that is used by theologians to describe growing our character, our hearts, to more and more reflect the heart and character of Jesus. You could call it heart growth. So why are we talking about this? Why do you need to listen? Uh, basically, we want to set you free. Paul says in Galatians 5, very succinctly, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And yeah. we see this in our clients. We, we want to set people free. Yeah, you know, uh, just a thing that we consistently hear in counseling is that people, and they're just not where they want to be. You know, um, my clients, a lot of them, and maybe you guys too, they've got a sense of where they want to go and mm. even who they want to be. But in the present moment, they feel like they're falling short. They're not living up to their standards, whether that's emotionally, relationally, spiritually, whatever. They're just stuck. And yet, there's a reason why they feel stuck, whether they know it or not. And sometimes simply knowing that reason is enough to bring a measure of relief and hope going forward. So that's why we're talking about all of this stuff today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the main things we do in counseling is we normalize people. And so our discussion today, you know, we're just going to delve into the depth of what does it mean to struggle against this invisible enemy of our souls, because the reality is, is that we were born into a world at war. We have a war going on in our hearts. And this is something that, that really everyone can relate to. You know, it's funny. Shay has a very eclectic taste in music. If you look at his playlist, you'd laugh. He's got country. He's got rock. He's got pop. He's got, you know, it's funny. But anyway, so we're driving in the car yesterday. And this song comes up I had never heard before. But The artist's name is David Kushner, and I had to go home and look at the lyrics uh, because it just really jumped out at me, and it really pertains to our discussion today. But he has this song called Daylight, and listen to the lyrics of this song. He says, There's darkness in the distance from the way that I've been living, but I know I can't resist it. I love it, and I hate it at the same time. You and I drink the poison from the same vine, I love it and I hate it at the same time. Hiding all of our sins from the daylight. I love it and I hate it at the same time. Telling myself it's the last time. Can you spare any mercy that you might find if I'm down on my knees again 
Deep down, way down, Lord, I try to follow your light, but it's nighttime. Please don't leave me in the end. And as I was listening to it, I'm like, oh my goodness, he's speaking to this struggle that we're talking about today, this indwelling sin that we have. And when he was asked about the inspiration for this song, he actually said that he was trying to convey this paradoxical desire that we want to do something that actually hurts us. And there's this you know, element of light and darkness, and it's actually based on what he describes as when he was growing up. He says this, I would want to do things that would lead to darkness, but also want to be in the light. Those are real things. We all go through darkness, and we all have brighter moments too. And this song was speaking from his own life experiences. So when we start talking about sin and heart growth in the life of a Christian, we're speaking to this very real troubling experience that we all have. Is he a, is he a Christian? I don't know. I, I, I looked him up and it says that this song was based on teachings that he yeah. grew up with. So I'm sure he grew up he's, in the church. He had some... Yeah. What strikes me is he's yeah. closer than he knows. I don't know. Anyway, right, side note. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Galatians 5.17 puts it this way, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Yeah, and one of the things I picked up years ago about that verse that changed the way I look at it is the emphasis is on you want to do things mm. that are pleasing. You want to do good, but no matter how hard you try and do it, it's unachievable. So that can, that can bring some relief to people. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter how hard I try, out of the power of myself, like, this is too big for me. Yeah, the struggle is so deep. And so today we want to first just talk about sin. You know, what is it? How is it a problem for us? Why do we struggle with it? And then secondly, we want to get into the more, the mechanics of this big word, like we said, sanctification, and how does it work in the life of the Christian? And we want to give you some signs to look for in your life, because if you're feeling discouraged, like, man, I'm really not where I want to be, you know, we want to give you some evidence that God is at work. So we hope there's clarity and steps forward for you. But guys, let's just start with this topic of sin. Why are we talking about this today? Yeah. Um, well, first, we've got to know what we're actually talking about. So before we get to the why, which is important, let's talk about what. Okay, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. is sin? I'm not going to claim to <laughs> plumb the depths of all this. There's books rightly so written on this. But here's just a quick summary how I think about it, um, what the scriptures talk about it. Sin is a separate entity from God's created world. Hmm. It's it's like a parasite. It requires God's good creation. It can't and it doesn't exist on its own. It, it Sin can embed, it does embed and express itself mainly and especially in our relationships. And so it takes what's already good, already created by God and seeks to destroy it. Hmm. Um, you know, sin, it has an ambition and a desire, especially to destroy our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others. Just a couple of scriptures that inform this, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Genesis 4, 7, right after the fall and sin entered the world, and this is what it says, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, and you must overcome it. Now, let's jump ahead. Romans chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Reign is like a king that has rule and power. Don't let it reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So this isn't just a little kind of like 
uh, what is it, peeves the poltergeist in the Harry Potter movies, like, oh, just kind of up to some mischief. No, this is mm. this is much more serious, and it's a serious, serious problem. You know, I have an analogy for this. I actually went and saw the Mission Impossible movie this last weekend. Shay and I did. I love those movies. And, you know, I just have to say, you know, Tom Cruise, I mean, he's aging okay. You know, I mean, just okay. <laughs> I want, I want to hear more. Right, right. I do want to hear more. I mean, you know, he's all right. You know, you I'll just Tom Cruise. I want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a side point. But you know, all of the Mission Impossible movies share a very similar plot line. So I don't think I'm ruining this for anyone. But there's this entity, you know, that they're up against. You know, this looming kind of evil presence. And there's a line in the film that really jumped out at me because they're trying to name this nebulous presence of evil. And they, the way they describe it is, it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time, and it has no center, meaning it's mm. just absolutely ubiquitous. And you every time you try to put your finger on it, it morphs, it moves, it changes. And I think that's a lot of what we're describing sin to be and kind of that biblical picture of it's really a problem. But it's not a popular category in our current culture. No one thinks about sin anymore because really nothing is wrong anymore. But yet as Christians, we have to include this because unless we understand sin and the power that it has in our lives, we're going to stay stuck. Yeah, and a lot of people hear sin and they immediately think, okay, you're shaming me, you're telling me I'm bad. Mm. But you even see in Romans 7 where Paul says, look, the stuff I don't want to do, I do, but it's not me doing it. It's sin in me. Mm -hmm. And so this is a force, and mm. it's something that um, overpowers us. And so it's not a shaming category. It's you're a person made in God's image, and you've been hijacked. Mm -hmm. And we want to take it seriously. Like you wouldn't treat cancer with aspirin. Yeah. Um, so we want to take it really seriously. Mm -hmm. Another thing we can think about here is Jesus never promised us. We're talking about sin being this um, like cancer, parasite, pollution to our souls. It ruins good stuff and it boots off of good stuff and distorts everything. Another thing I think that's very freeing for people to understand is Jesus never promised us in this life complete transformation of heart. He never promised us we would never sin again. He never promised us we would never need to mm. repent mm. or confess. And mm. those are big, big words. We'll get to that in a minute. He basically left us in this mess. Mm. He left the disciples to wrestle with it. You know, Paul, at the end of his life, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. The most famous song in the world is Amazing Grace. PBS did a documentary on it a number of years ago, written by a pastor, an old Puritan guy named John Newton. And he wrestled with this question, why after saving us did God decide to leave us in a condition mm. where we still wrestle with sin? Mm. Um, let me say a couple of things about this because I think this is where we can get some freedom. First of all, if you're a believer, there is no need to worry about sin ever separating you from God's love. And I was mistaught growing up. If you sin, it separates you from God. And that is just complete falsehood. Uh, nothing can do that. Um, there is a cancel culture that started thousands of years ago with Jesus on the cross, and Paul pointed it out. Uh, Colossians 2, and I'm going to paraphrase it, 
says the debt that we owe God has been canceled out by Mm. Jesus's death on the cross. I've gone through credit card fraud a couple of times, and the first time I ever went through it, somebody was charging all kinds of stuff on my card that wasn't my fault. And I called my bank, and my bank said, oh, no problem, we'll take care of that. We'll just give you a new card. Um, And in a sense, Jesus pays for our misdeeds, that's an analogy for it, and issues us his new card, Mm. and we're not held responsible for it. Um, The culture of God's kingdom has canceled the power of sin. So being good enough, which is what a lot of our clients struggle with, Mm. is now taken off the table. And when you say being good enough, I think what you mean is, let me do the right things. Let me be good enough so that God will love me and accept me. And you're saying with the credit card analogy, which I think is really helpful, good enough's off the table. You don't have to worry about being good enough because that debt has been paid. You can if you want to, but it's just going to cause you misery. (laughs) And it's not anywhere in God's heart. Mm. He has been good enough for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, I have clients all the time and one of the, that will come up with this theme and one of the ways that they'll say it. And I think people think about salvation like this is Jesus has wiped the slate clean, but now it's up to me Mm. to fill that slate with good deeds and good things so that God stays happy with me. Mm -hmm. And that is missing the heart of the gospel. Yeah, what I'd say, he's he's shattered that slate and all that we're left with, and I think you're gonna speak more to this now, all that we're left with is our presence. Yeah. And who we are. And he is happy with us. He delights in us as his beloved son. So, He's made you his son or his daughter. His love for you never lessens when you sin, nor does his love for you increase when you do something good. So that's, that's for starters. But the second thing that I want to hit on that Newton talked about is why in the world would God then leave us to struggle with it? Mm-hmm. Because it hurts us. Uh, we have consequences that come from our sin. It plagues us. We get weary of it. A lot of Christians give up on the Christian life because they get exhausted Mm -hmm. psychologically and emotionally. They can't measure up. And that's not what we're supposed to do anyway. So Newton gave this answer. And I think it's one of the best answers that I've been able to find. God left sin in us because we have no idea of the depth of God's mercy, nor do we know how deep that rabbit hole goes in our resistance to Mm. trusting him. And sin has been left so that we will learn to fully depend upon God for his mercy. The old hymn writer, Come ye sinners poor and wretched. Um, Come ye sinners poor and wretched. Okay, that's we're cutting that because it's out of tune. But the old hymn writer put it really succinctly. Come ye sinners poor and wretched. One of the lines in there is, Do not fondly dream of fitness. In other words, stop striving to get better. Don't dream about it as if being good Hmm. will complete you. And then the next line is, all the fitness that he requires is to feel your need of him. Yeah, I love that line. Mm -hmm. Don't you, though? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you can rest in that. And that's what Newton was getting at. He would say, we don't really get it until we think we've gotten it. And then we still stumble over and over and over again. 
until we finally realize my only hope is Christ in me, Mm. the hope of glory. There's more, but that's the starting point. Yeah, and I just want to add to this conversation, too, because as I've been thinking about this episode, I'm really struck by the idea that this spiritual transformation of sanctification really is a mystery. And, you know, a mystery is simply something that's just difficult, maybe even impossible to put into words or to understand and explain. And it's hard to know how it all fits together. But here are some basic tenets that I think we do know about sin and sanctification. First of all, this battle that you're describing with indwelling sin, it's real, it's pervasive, and you cannot escape it. And, you know, we've referenced some songs already, maybe some movies. Your uh, your boy, Tom Cruise. My Tom movie. Cruise yep. reference, mm-hmm. yeah. I had to slip that in there. But, <laughs> you know, think about most movies, songs, books, novels, on some level speak to this internal battle of desires that we all experience. We love it and we hate it at the same time. And then the second thing is just, and this is a huge one, I think, that really helped me when I came across this teaching is just God is in charge of your spiritual transformation. So Philippians 1, 6 states, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So what we're saying here is that he is sovereign over this process and over this indwelling sin that he's chosen to leave behind for us to work through and fight against. And so contrary to, I think, popular Christian belief, our spiritual growth is not up to us. Hmm. And nor is the spiritual growth of the people around us. Isn't that freeing? Very. Like, yeah, and when you say it's not up to us, can you say more? Yeah, I mean, God is in charge of this process, and so this may feel shocking, but if that's the case, then you're actually exactly where God Hmm. wants you to be Hmm. in this process. And that doesn't negate anything we've said so far, that Hmm. like we have to keep wrestling and we're not where we want to be. But that is very freeing to know if God wanted me to be holier than I am right now or somehow better hmm. in some area, then I would be. Yeah, I'm because thinking about he's in charge. I'm thinking That's about, very freeing. Yeah. Not to just make this a little throwaway comment, but it's almost like this phrase that I've heard is you're where you are, we are where we are, not by accident, but by appointment. Hmm. And yeah. that's because, like what you're saying, God is the one who's in charge. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, and here's where the mystery piece comes in, mm. for this transformation to happen, even though it is a process that God controls, he also expects our participation. So again, further in Philippians 2, thir- or 2 12 and 13, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And this is where it's hard to grasp because I know that sounds like a contradiction, and yet we do participate in this process. And the last point I just want to make is that, you know, some people tend to minimize sin. We mentioned that earlier in our culture. Um, And yet this is to their detriment. And as you said, Austin, you know, if we're not really willing to grapple with this concept of that we're dead in our transgressions and we can't save ourselves, then we're going to be, you know, lost and confused. On the other hand, we know that some people 
maximize their sinful state and they have an overly scrupulous conscience and they torture themselves mercilessly about every little thing that they do, wondering if I offended God, you know. And so you know yourself better than anyone else. You know, you'll need to assess where you're at on this spectrum, but we want our words to speak either comfort or conviction as necessary. But here's the bottom line. When we talk about sin and sanctification, there is no quick fix. Hmm. This is a work that will take place over the course of your lifetime. You've never fully arrived. You're never done growing. You're always going to be totally dependent on God to mature you and grow you up more and more into the likeness of his son, Jesus. Yeah, that idea about maximizing sin, having an overly scrupulous conscience, I've struggled with that. And one of the things that really has helped me is a long time ago, a mentor of mine said, well, you can worry about if you've offended God or not, but I'm just going to tell you, you killed him. Uh, let's close in prayer. <laughs> what, what, how is that helpful for you? He said, every time I sin, I put a nail. I mm-hmm. drive a nail in Jesus's mm-hmm. hand. Mm-hmm. Like, of course you've offended him, mm-hmm. but he has taken that offense and onto himself. And that's the grace piece. And he has yeah. taken that off the table. Mm-hmm. That really kind of set things in perspective for me. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Lynn, the other piece you said, you know, there's no quick fix to this. Uh, that's that's so true. And yet I'm thinking about my own experience and maybe listeners, you can agree with this too. We just live in a culture where everything, relatively speaking, is pretty easy. Hmm. Um, and maybe I should nuance that. We, we can get food so much easier than we did like 50, 100 years ago. We can, the technology, just everything is instant. Microwaves. Right. All of that. Mm-hmm. And so we're so used to, at least I'm so used to things taking not as long as I think they should. And so when you say there's no quick fix, it's good to hear because we're so used to stuff being instant. Mm-hmm. All, all that to say, um, we're kind of closing our time out on sin and we're gonna get to a break. But let me say this one thing. If you're leaving this section believing man, I'm just a sinner, and that's the deepest part of who I am, then you've missed it. That's not who God sees you as. God sees you and me as his children, sons and daughters, end of story. He doesn't see us as broken, shameful, incapable people. Instead, he sees us as his beloved sons and daughters. He died to rise and rose to have you and me, and he's got us. And now he wants us to follow him. That is the foundation of why and how you can grow. And this is the process called sanctification. And so we're going to get to our interlude right now. Stick with us and we'll start talking more about it. We'll be right back in a jiffy. But we want to take a quick pause to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you like what you're hearing, think about texting this episode to a friend. And find us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. All right, so that's first section talking about sin. Now we're going to talk about the other S word, sanctification, Austin. Yeah, so again, like I said, there's so much we could say about this, but let me just give a big overview. Um, I think about sanctification, what it is, kind of like three legs of the stool. And so in no particular order, there's three things here. First, sanctification is staying. Um, Psalm 1-3 says this, The righteous man and woman is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. What, let's use the illustration there. What, what do trees do? 
Well, I can tell you what they don't do. They don't move. <laughs> Instead, they stay right where they are. They're able to remain and weather the day-in and day-out climate, including the storms of life. One more verse. Um, Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And the heart of that word abide is to stay, remain, don't go anywhere. And so one piece of sanctification is staying. Now, quick and important caveat. What I'm not saying is that sanctification means staying in abusive situations. There's times and places when it's right and good and justified to leave. So if that's you, uh, you have every right and reason to leave. Um, if anyone tries to manipulate you into staying by using this rationale, that's wrong. But, but I digress. Um, there's this quote from uh, Dan Allender in his book, The Wounded Heart, and I think he captures the heart of sanctification as staying. He says this, Do I believe that God is a loving Father who's committed to my deepest well-being, that He has the right to use everything that is me and for whatever purposes He deems best? and that surrendering my will and my life entirely to him will bring me the deepest joy and fulfillment I can know this side of heaven? Man, I love that because if we can get closer to a yes to that question, to say, wherever I am, mm. whatever you plan for me, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to hang in there, and I'm not going to try to leave and find that for myself. If we can get closer to that, then we can stay, in that sense, wherever we find ourselves. Because well, the, uh, wherever we find ourselves is what God deems best for us. All right. Point out something in those two verses that you hit mm -hmm. that uh, I think needs to be emphasized. It says that a tree bears fruit in its season. Yep. There are seasons of life where there just is not fruit mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem like anything is happening. Sure. It's like winter time. Mm -hmm. And same with vines and grapes. Sometimes they get distressed and they go through bad years. Yep. So maybe yep. staying looks like when... Yep. I feel nothing but God's absence and yeah. silence, yeah. trusting he is doing some of his deepest work. Yeah. And, and I think in those moments where we don't see the fruit is where we get so discouraged and we lose heart and we lose yeah. faith. And that's really why we're doing this series is we want people to feel grounded in grace, yeah. feel normalized in this process of there's nothing really wrong with me. I'm just in that season. Yeah, and I tell you really personally for me, um, staying in the face of not being entirely sure. Yeah. You know, having a sense of certainty and confidence, especially intellectually for me, has been big. And then the times when I wasn't quite sure or I don't know, I would have to like, well, let me go find a scripture. Let me get a verse. Let me do something to where I can get 100% certainty. And if I don't have that, I got to go somewhere else. And the implication of this for me is I can stay in the face of not quite being sure of having doubts about who God is and what he's done for me, I don't have to go anywhere. I can stay because I'm not saved by my capability to be certain about Jesus. Mm. I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me. So he, He's anyway. faithful to you no matter what. Exactly yeah. right. So sanctification is staying. But, but the second leg in this stool of sanctification is sanctification is growing. So Ephesians 2 verse 22 says this, in him, in, in Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's individual and corporately. But notice the language of being built, right? When a home is being built, it's growing. 
Uh, one more verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. Paul is writing about all the ways he and others have been working to help the church grow. And he says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Hmm. The assumption here, again, is that growth is taking place. And we don't have time in this episode to get into the specifics of what growth looks like, but at the very least, it's enough for now to say some signs of growth are the fruit of the Spirit. And that's discussed in Galatians 5. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are specific, concrete character qualities that show we're actually growing. Yeah, and you're not going to have all of those at the same time in full maturity. Yeah. You know, it's fruit. And so it grows in seasons and over time. But yep. these are good markers to look for. Mm -hmm. Yep. So sanctification is staying, sanctification is growing, and lastly, sanctification is responding. Lynn, you mentioned earlier uh, that God is the one in charge of our growth. He begins it and empowers it and, not right. but, but and we still have agency and choice and a part to play. And those choices matter. But every choice we make is a response to God's work. I love that verse in Philippians 2. You, you, you quote it. I'm going to quote it again. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Well, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Another verse that captures this, maybe in a little bit of a different way, is Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. So we need to do these good works, be patient with those annoying coworkers, or have self-control as we parent any spicy kids we have, or you know, be kind to your spouses, whatever these good works you have in mind and are doing. And yet, all of these works are a response to God working in us. So it's a response. Yeah, let me add one nuance in there. I think some people, when they hear, yes, we're saved by grace, but saving grace like produces works, we put the emphasis automatically, I think, on our works and our abilities mm -hmm. and our performance. And that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that good works are an outgrowth of what God has put in your heart and I had one guy put it really succinctly when he did a missionary conference, and he focused on being a missionary to your own heart yeah. in areas where you are not being loved by God. And this was his slogan, what goes deepest to the heart goes widest into the world. Mm. And I think that kind of captures what we're saying. Like the love of God supplants and comes up from underneath and pushes out things that shouldn't be there that we don't want to be there because it's a deeper love. And I think our, when we talk about works and working out your salvation with fear and trembling, it just means that God's doing something in you and you're going to have uncertainty about it. You're going to have trembling over it. You're going to have fear, mm -hmm. but God is at work and you can trust him for that. Yep. Sure. And that's great. So sanctification, staying growing and responding to Jesus's work in our lives, especially through the work of the Spirit. And, and this leads us <laughs> seamlessly, should I say, into the next piece of this, which is a little bit more some of the signs of sanctification. In other words, where and how do I know if I'm being sanctified? Yeah, I, I think what you shared is so good, Austin, because again, you know, what we want for ourselves, for our clients, for our listeners, is we want people to just feel rooted and grounded in God's grace. 
there's something about grace that takes the pressure off, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and it's suddenly like, oh, the pressure is off, and now I feel more free to do those works of the Spirit. Like, I'm walking by the Spirit, and I want to fulfill those desires. But if I had to just speak to, okay, what are the key signs of spiritual growth or sanctification in a person's life? You know, the first one I would just say is that this person has an increased awareness of their own desires and knowing the landscape of their own heart. And I think we see this so often. Many people are very Mm. disconnected. They're tuned out from their hearts. Maybe they're just kind of stumbling around and they're a bit clueless about how they impact other people. They don't know what they want, need, or feel. And and maybe this is because they've been discouraged in their lives or it was never modeled to them to really know their own heart. So whatever the case may be, the more you become consciously aware of the terrain of your heart, even if you don't like what you find there, you can be encouraged that God is working. He already knows it's Because he already knows that it's there. Exactly. And here's a funny, okay, I'm just going to kind of put myself in the hot seat here. Oh, I think story time with this Lynn. Is, this is story time with Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> we so, need a jingle. Story time. Story time. Yeah. So, okay. So when, when my kids were little, this is just a very clear memory in my mind of a growth point in my life. So... My kids are probably like age, you know, like seven, four, and two, something like that. So here's me. I'm getting ready for church some Sunday morning, and I'm really putting in some extra effort. Like, I I really want to look nice. So I'm doing my hair and my makeup, and I've carefully selected my outfit. And in the meantime, I've told our oldest son to put apple juice in Owen's sippy cup. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) So again, I'm in the bathroom getting ready. So Jack does what he's told. He puts the apple juice in the sippy cup, but he doesn't totally get the lid screwed on all the way. And so Owen is then, you know, as any typical kind of toddler would, he's got the cup in his mouth, but he's holding it by his teeth. So it's like dangling from his mouth and he's kind of like dancing down the hallway. Now, to set the stage for this story, I had just had my carpets cleaned, which for me is like Christmas, birthday, Mother's Day all rolled into one. Like I could not be happier the day that the carpet cleaners come. You know, it just makes me so happy. I've got clean carpets. So here's Owen walking down the hallway, full cup of apple juice. And because the lid wasn't on, it just totally, it falls out of his mouth. (laughs) Spills on the carpet, absorbs on the carpet, splashes everywhere. Mind you, we're like already late for getting out the door. What was the first, what curse word did you yell in your heart? (laughs) So, so you're livid at this point. Oh my gosh. Lose it. I mean, my head probably is spinning around on my neck. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Green vomit. Steam is coming out of my ears. And it's like I'm having this out of body experience where I'm looking down on myself, and this is the scene that I see. I'm all dressed up for church. My hair and makeup looks great. And yet there I am just yelling at my kids, saying awful things. And they're just like frozen in place. They're terrified. And I was horrified at the scene that I was watching unfold. But you know what? This was such a growth moment for me. I needed to see myself in this position where here I was so focused on my outward appearance 
And yet having such, you know, yucky, sinful responses just readily flowing out of my mouth, hurting my kids. You had no idea that you were capable of I murder. had no idea. I will bury right, my children right. in the backyard. I know, like you ruined mommy's carpet, right? <laughs> but God used this in this season of my life to show me, you know what, Lynn, you've got stuff in your heart that you need to deal with. And it wasn't in a condemning, shaming, like God is mad at me kind of a way. It was in a, man, my heart needs to be humbled. It needs to be softened. I'm not yet mature and God had my number and he wanted to expose that to me. And that's just, if anybody can relate to that, you know, if you're having that kind of exposing moment, I would encourage you to say, this is a good sign that God is at work in Thank your life. Thank you for showing me what's in my heart, Exactly, Father. exactly. Yeah. So secondly, I would say another sign is just a growing sense of dependence and humility. You're going to start to see that your willpower or your human efforts are really powerless to do a whole lot. And honestly, if you feel exhausted spiritually, then that's really a good place to be because maybe you're ready to give up. Yeah, that's good. You know, like maybe you're ready to start to loosen the grip on your own goodness and your own righteousness and depend more and more and more on Christ. Yeah, a friend of mine pointed out a bumper sticker years ago. I lived in California. <laughs> it said, help, I'm a Christian and I'm tired. <laughs> oh, see, that's funny. It's good. That's, that's good. Yeah, you were going to say well, something Well, the other awesome. thing, just, just a quick line. It, um, you know, Jesus cares more about our holiness and our growth than we do. Oh, yeah. And that might be hard to believe. And maybe, Lynn, what you're saying is if you're getting exhausted spiritually, maybe that's a sign mm. that you're realizing, okay, Turns out I can try, but I don't have the resources mm -hmm. and the power. I'm going to have to let Jesus take over in that sense. Yeah, and I think it's more of an invitation, you know, to yep. start to notice yep. and grow in these areas where, wow, I need more help than I thought I needed. And that sense of performance mm -hmm. can take a back seat. And then I just say, lastly, you know, another sign would be a little bit more patience with yourself and others because, again, you've taken yourself off the throne or at least you've recognized that you're not in control and now you can rest in this idea that God's going to do what God is going to do in my life and in the lives of those around me. And I think, you know, again, in my marriage, that's been freeing because I'd say the first five years of my marriage, I was like, I'm going to be the Holy Spirit in Shay's life. You know, how many times, <laughs> how many people do we have in our lives where we think like, I've got to do all these things to get them to grow to this place of maturity that I want them to be. And this is like, a, okay, Lynn, take your hands off the wheel. You know, God is in charge. And here's a verse that struck me yesterday. I was reading in the book of Acts. And in Acts eleven seventeen, Peter, one of the apostles, he's going around baptizing people. He's spreading the message of Christ's salvation. And he's starting to realize that the gospel message isn't just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. And this was surprising to him, right? Because God's growing his church. And he thought initially it was just for, for God's people, you know. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to him, telling him to baptize these new believers. And Peter has this aha moment where he responds by saying, if God therefore gave to them, meaning the Gentiles, the same gift of salvation that he gave to us after we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? 
Isn't that funny? It's like he's having this epiphany. Who did I think I was? Right? Salvation is God's idea. He accomplished it. He directs it. He chooses those whom he saves. He sanctifies those that he has justified, as it says in Romans 8. Mm -hmm. So who am I to think that I can stand in God's way? And in the same way, this is true for our spiritual growth. Who are we to think that we can stand in the way of what God wants to do in our lives or the lives of people around us. That's that's such a great reminder. And you know the other thing that strikes me? This is the Apostle Peter <laughs> who saw Jesus, resurrected body, saw him ascend into heaven. If he still needed reminders, then sure. guess what? You and I still do as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can do an entire podcast sometime on Peter. He's one good. of my favorite oh, characters. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was filled with self-like, empowerment and bravado like i'll never deny you sure. jesus and sure enough he did and now he's like well who am i to stand in his mm -hmm. way it's a sanctification mm -hmm. case study dude mm -hmm. and then yeah. 15 years later in the book of galatians paul comes to him and says dude you're departing from the gospel yep. he was taking matters into his own hands most of his life mm. yeah and when i really screw up i go right to peter and I'm sure in heaven he's going to come to me and say, dude, I, I'm not sure I like the way you use my story. But it comforts me yeah. that he denied Jesus. And sometimes that I just yeah. think it's in the After Bible. After being with Jesus, yeah. And I think right. it's in there to comfort yeah. at least John Tennant. Sure. And I hope other people that, you know, we think it's about our love for Jesus. Right. But Jesus let him go through that to show him, mm -hmm. hey, Peter, it's about my love for you, yeah, not exactly. your love for me. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do some conclusion stuff, and I'm going to do this pretty quickly. We just want to encourage you, invite you, and ask you to think about learning to coach yourself into receiving God's love for you mm -hmm. in the face of your brokenness. Receiving is very, very hard for us to do mm -hmm. because it requires that we admit we need help. Yeah. So there's the heart of humility. So learn to receive his love for you. And we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, but one way you can maybe think of the fruit of the Spirit is this is the way that God loves us. Hmm. So think of it this way. When you sin, well, no matter what it is, no matter how many times you repeat the same sin, the response of God to your failure is this, and we're going to pull it through the fruit of the Spirit. He loves you. He takes joy in you. He says there is peace between you and him. He is patient with you. He is still going to give you his goodness. He is still going to give you his kindness. He will always be faithful to you. And he's in full control to direct his responses and his pursuit of you in your struggle. That's really powerful. I love that. Yeah. And this is what will bring repentance to you. Paul says in Romans, it is the kindness of God mm. that leads you to repentance. And repentance gets kind of a bad rap, but I love Jack Miller's definition. He says, repentance has nothing to do with what we have done. It is our coming undone in respect to our human righteousness. And you could just in, put the words in performance or our own goodness. It's coming undone in respect to our performance, followed by going to Jesus outside of ourselves. Um, when you marinate in God's love for you that way, it will bring your heart to want to come to Jesus. So we might think the goal of our growth is trying to get better, and I think that's misguided. 
the goal of our growth is learning to be loved. And ironically, that's what eventually makes you a better person. Mm -hmm. Um, You can either say, oops, I've done something wrong. I hope dad doesn't find out. Or you can say, man, I've got a problem. I really need to go to dad, my loving father. You know, one thing I've noticed with clients, you know, is they come in initially, they're beating themselves up. I'm not loving my kids, my husband. I'm very impatient with my coworkers. I can't forgive people who've wronged me. And, you know, when I say, again, pressure's off, let's just put that on the back burner for now. And let's just explore, you know, how did you get here? What has hmm. happened in your life? What are your experiences? What, let's learn the terrain of your heart. And what I find over a period of time as we work together, maybe several months to a year, is they start coming in reporting things to me like, you know, I'm just not as worried about that issue anymore. I, I'm just more at peace or you know, I'm finding that I have more compassion towards this person that has wronged me, or I'm just noticing that my reactions to other people aren't as harsh. I'm being kinder to, you know, my family, my friends, or even kinder to myself. And I'm sitting there kind of smiling and I'm going, huh, sounds like the fruit of the spirit, huh? You know, like what they come in is like that demand of like, I should be producing more fruit. And what you find is as they've been loved and receive God's love, Now it's like, interesting, here we've put all the ingredients in place, you felt safe, you felt known, valued, loved, and now here's this fruit growing in their hearts that's been happening in the background. And it's really beautiful to watch, and I I think I can speak for all of us, is that's one of the things that keeps us motivated and going. Yes. Christian therapist. Yeah, that's what I that's what I love doing with and for people. Um, you it's, know, a la- mean, it's a means of God's <laughs> grace. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're yeah. talking about fellowship, which is you're being Jesus with skin on, and the image of God is responding to it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll just I'll just wrap things up. Um, just asking our listeners, asking you guys, just consider where you fall on on a spectrum. And Lynn, you alluded this uh, to it a little bit earlier. If you are hyper aware of your sin and your shortcomings and your failures then maybe go the opposite direction. Consider and reflect where and how you're being sanctified, where and how God has been growing you and how you've been responding. And if you can't think of it, maybe ask a trusted friend, mentor, or spouse. Just say, help me understand the fuller picture. So that's one end. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you tend to minimize things, maybe your sin, or you don't like to stop and reflect on any problems, or you just want to look at the bright side and not on any negativity, consider slowing down to reflect on your sin. The the point isn't just to beat yourself up or heap unnecessary shame on yourself, but instead it's to get a better understanding of just how serious your problem is and all of our problem is of sin. And when we do that, we're going to get a deeper appreciation and grow in gratitude for Jesus' sacrifice for us and what he's done. Hey, these are great thoughts. We're running out of time. I really hope this is true. (laughs) <laughs> because I need it to be true yeah. for yeah. me. Yeah, well said. Right. Um, and, you know, may God bless the time. And, you know, our listeners, may you be set free. So we'll see you next time. Go in grace. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember God is with you in the weeds.